0: Welcome to Joyous Eclectic, where we talk about the good, the bad, and the interesting in all sorts of music. Let's get to it.
1: We're doing the
2: intro music. Got the intro It's going like this. It's going. I'm going to raise my
1: microphone
2: because I raised my chair. And now what's
1: about to it?
0: So there's that. <laughs>
2: how are we going to incorporate that that, seamlessly? Can
3: that be the intro?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then they did this weird scat thing for like five minutes. It was crazy. I really thought I was going to like this podcast. And then I
2: realized, wow, they're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They're literally the worst. So anyways,
0: yeah, thanks for tuning in. We're Joyce Eclectic. We're going to talk about some stuff. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parker, what have you been listening to this week? This week, I've been listening to, let
2: me get the tab up so I get all the right information. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I've
1: been gosh. listening to a
0: band called
2: Era. Oh, yeah. And they were introduced to me by a new coworker of mine who listens to metal and stuff, and that's always fun. And he also has a Switch, and I have a Nintendo Switch. and So, lots of things in common. Um, I think they're trying to replace me with him oh, no. um, oh. as like a clone. Tell um, him the heck off. Yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah, so he, he told me about this band and I was listening to them and they're real cool. Also, quick note, last week, I hate not giving credit where credit's due. Last week, the band that I talked about, Totoro, was introduced to me by my friend John Zartman and I completely blanked on giving him credit for that, but um, it wasn't. We're shaming deep. you. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. shaming you right now. Um, so I figured I'm kicked off the podcast. No, but yeah, so Era, they're really good. They're um, progressive metal core kind of thing but more just like technical melodic metal core or whatever so the band's called era the album specifically is drift
0: they actually came to town with august burns red recently Really? Yeah.
2: yeah. I you might have seen that somewhere. I saw that they toured with some other bands. Well, so some of the other bands, for example, that they reminded me of is um, Tesseract yeah. a little bit, um, which and they toured with them, so that kind of made sense. But yeah. especially this last album um, reminded me of that a lot, and the clean the, like clean singing bits uh, had some Seosin influences oh, a little wow. bit too. I felt like. A which, hard pull. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But it it's more I guess just that his voice sounds a little bit like that. But the music itself is really technical. But not no, it's not really technical. It's very melodic, <laughs> moderately but like technical. with some <laughs> gent kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. as as technical as Tesseract for example yeah. is, which is um, you know, that the rhythm stuff is doing complicated things mm-hmm. and sometimes the lead guitar is doing some complicated things. Not terribly <sighs> melodic. <laughs> but he, no, it's I don't I feel like I'm doing a real disservice to yeah. <laughs>
0: explaining it, to be honest. It's, well, the good news is, is they'll hear it. Yeah, exactly. You guys <laughs> haven't,
2: but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so the song that I'd recommend starting with is Orchid. Uh, it's, again, off their newest album. They're, I also listened to one of their older albums, Impulse, um, and it was also really good. It was a little bit more um, kind of generic, melodic, technical metalcore but not in a bad way. Like, yeah. it, like if you were wanting to listen to that, you'd listen to this and be like, that's exactly, like, that scratched that itch as opposed to, um, you know, it sounding derivative of anything else. So, but yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Periphery, Tesseract, Architects, all those a little bit together. So, it was fun. Cool, there you go.
1: Yeah.
3: Cool, Matt? Hey, guys. Uh, I watched The Avengers this weekend, and there was a Tesseract in that. Whoa! (laughs) Uh, Let's see, this week I have been really digging on a whole bunch of stuff. I did a lot of preparation for our Cool Bits discussion today. Uh, Turns out that... (laughs) Who'd who'd have thunk it? There's a lot of bass guitar in the world. (laughs) What? Since when? So, one of the albums that I was uh, really back and forth um, about actually picking for the the coolest section uh, or not, um, but an album that I totally fell in love with last year is called Drunk by Thundercat. haven't heard of Thundercat uh he is a very 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 talented uh bassman who happens to be a very very talented singer too he put out an album last year called Drunk and I would put it easily on my top 10 of 2017 um it's it's a very like good soulful like easy flowing but like still very I guess technically uh, I don't know good <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it a uh, record uh, it's got a lot of like funk influences um, so kind of like if you ever listen to George Clinton like you mm-hmm. know wild hair George Clinton like from the <laughs> 70s um, but then like if you're, if you're a fan of Flying Lotus I would recommend uh, Thundercat too um, so kind of like a lot of the old like older hip hop funk stuff mixed with like newer soul R&B feels um, mm. yeah but one, one of the one of the tracks that I would absolutely recommend starting out with is called called uh uh Uh, it's the second track on the record and technically the third track um but it's mostly just uh him wailing on the bass uh it's (laughs) absolutely insane um uh, there's a lot of great great drum work on the album um some really surprisingly good piano and keyboard work uh but i know uh last week when we were talking about drum stuff um one of the albums that i brought to the table I think for my soundtrack of the week, uh, I said it was very good to drive along, like too, like if you're just driving down the road at night. This album fits in that category too. <laughs> so if you liked uh, Whitney, I believe, is, yep, yeah, what I, what I was talking about, yeah, uh, add this, add, add this record to your playlist and go driving because it's a solid, solid record all the nice. way through. Yeah, nice, Chad.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my thing for this week has been I. A few years ago, when my I started becoming really good friends with Seamus, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of got me into a, a lot more electronic-y kind of stuff than I ever really got into. And I think this is a band that he listened to, and I just never really got around to listening to, but uh, this, band, uh, this artist Baths, B-A-T-H-S. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, oh, yeah. They're
2: he, British? Right uh, no. I think he's
0: LA based actually. Oh. Uh, then I'm totally wrong.
1: Continue.
2: <laughs>
0: just heck off. This yeah. is my time. Uh, time. No. Uh, oh, yeah. So he has a, a 2013 album called Obsidian that I've been listening to. particularly the song miasma sky is just really smooth and really kind of it it's it's got a very pulsating rhythm from the beginning but when the drums come in it sits on a weirder part of the pulsating rhythm Hmm. than i was maybe necessarily uh envisioning it to i guess when you when you first start the track or whatever it just doesn't really sound like where it's eventually going to go Hmm. and to be totally honest like i'm still not sold on his vocals completely they're good in times, and then there's times when it's like, I don't know if I like this, but I keep listening to the album, so yeah. obviously I don't care that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's something to be said for like vocals that match really well with the music, regardless of whether they're good vocals or bad mm-hmm. vocals, and I haven't really decided which I think his is, mm-hmm. but Miasma Sky is still a really cool song that I can't stop listening to, regardless of how I am not sold on his vocals yet. I think
2: <laughs> I remember my where I heard about it or whatever. Is he... So if I'm not wrong, I think he was like an English major in college or something like that and didn't really do anything musically specifically and then just like was like, I'm just going to do it and then tried all this stuff and it was like, oh, that was awesome. I could be totally wrong on that. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that it was that because I remember hearing about it in college and mm. that it's like, yeah, it's a little bit acquired taste, but it's actually like really good for somebody who kind of didn't know what they were doing getting into it yeah. and then just kind of developed
3: it throughout the process. That sounds a lot like me.
2: (laughs) Well,
1: there you go. An English
3: major in college, you didn't do anything, (laughs) and then all of a sudden did a lot. A lot of
0: things. Uh, But yeah, yeah. so that's mostly what I've been listening to this week. Cool.
1: Yeah. Very cool. All
3: right. uh, Are you guys ready to get into it? Let's do this Let's do it. All right, folks, this week we're talking bass. You know, like (laughs) Seinfeld.
0: (laughs) So this week...
3: (laughs) Uh, this week was a very, very, very hard week for me. I didn't think it was going to be very tough. I don't know if it was tough for you guys, uh, yep. but it yep. was. It was hard to, to pick, and I, I wanted to give a little disclaimer. The past couple weeks, we've been talking about different things that we like and enjoy. Uh, by by no means is is the the music that we talk about on the show. Our favorite stuff—it's just stuff that we happen to like, uh, happen to be into, at the or stuff time. that we think is like the exclusive best or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's not you know our favorites of all time. So if we don't pick a song that you're like, well, you know, like this week, if if we're like, you know. Another one, Bice the Dust, is not on the uh, list. Yeah. No one's going to talk about that. But I'm sure some people out there will be like, ooh, that's what the best bass lines of all time. I and, mean,
0: we had a guitar solo episode, and nobody <laughs>
3: talked about Freebird. Right, so, yeah.
0: I mean, come on. like
3: Wait, Nobody talked about Freebird? Well, come
1: on, So we're going to talk about
3: guitar solos, particularly Freebird. <laughs> Freebird. By the band uh, Leinard, Sky, Leinard Skynerd, Skyn- yeah, Skynerd, yeah, Skynet. Yeah, he nailed
0: it in one. Yeah. Yeah. Leinard Skynet.
2: Yeah, yeah. Leonard
3: Skynet. Uh, Big inspiration on the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Uh films. Uh, (laughs) The the Skynet man. (laughs) The freest of the birds. Uh, So anyways what were we talking
0: about? So we're actually talking about bass parts this week. But yeah, they're
2: not that we're not picking like the exclusive best ones or our favorites or whatever, just ones that we're like, Oh, that was, I think this one part is real cool and they do a good job or proves a point about, you know, the topic. Exactly.
3: Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, going into it, I think, um, the reason that bass is so hard to pick is because a, every song has bass, uh, in B, it's for me at least it's it's an instrument that is so underappreciated and and like undermentioned which i know everybody says that but it's kind of hard to narrow down the the good things about it i mean there's you know like there's so many so many great bass lines (laughs) out there and great bass players that it's kind of hard to you know just pick like okay here's three good examples especially you know from all sorts of different genres like Obviously, there's different guitar genres, but when you're talking about like a guitar solo, it's it's almost a very like centralized thing. It's like the guitar solo. Like there's mm. there's not much like difference. In, no matter what genre it is, you know. Like I I don't know if that you makes mean, any of, like, sense usage, at all. Usage
2: yeah. within a song, a guitar solo is a guitar solo. Exactly. Yeah. But like bass like parts could be any kind of yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, it could be the Seinfeld mm. bass part, but it could also be. <laughs> Behind, you know, some other things so it can just
0: be part of the rhythm section as opposed to being an out front sort of thing Yeah, whereas guitar solos are almost exclusively out front front. and like the emphasis of what's and even like
2: mediocre guitar parts are always gonna be Way more out front than a like quite good bass part if that's not like the focus of the
3: song Mm Yeah, you know, yep, and I think uh, another thing that's hard to kind of narrow down and, and, and answer a uh, hard question to answer is what makes a bass part good? Mm. Uh, because it's, its job is to hold down the rhythm <laughs> of the song. Like that's why it's there. Uh, that's why, especially like electric bass. That's what, that's why it, you know, was integrated into modern pop music. It's supposed to keep the rhythm. It's supposed to hold down the low end, while mm-hmm. the other instruments, the vocals and the guitars, they do all the good stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say. Like you know, if you're listening to a song, I mean, give me any modern like Billboard pop song, and you know. It's Hard to say, like, that's a good bass line or a bad bass line because it's doing its job. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've never heard a song where the bass is not doing strictly what it's meant to do. I mean, I've heard songs where you know it goes above and beyond, obviously, well, which yeah. is what we're going to talk about today. But like, I can't just pick out a song that's like you know some punk song where the bass does three notes the whole time and <laughs> I'm like, that's not good bass because yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah, but why? Like, it's just as good as anything else. I, I don't <laughs> know, but um, so yeah. Uh, I think we all got some yeah. cool bits to talk about yeah um, I think you're up first I'll lead us off uh, my first one was uh, <laughs> not not the most obvious pick that I could have gone with out of, out of all the ones I picked I only had one that I knew I wanted to keep on my list and I changed my list so many times but uh, <laughs> I, I picked a rather I guess relatively new song uh, it's called Dean town by the van by the band Wolf Peck mm-hmm. uh, and I'll talk more about them in a minute but I want to let you guys hear it first. so nasty <laughs> if, you, if you don't feel tasty after that yeah then... i feel
2: like i was gonna say there's some bass parts that you you'd have to like really pay attention to and be like hey this song has a really good bass part mm-hmm. and somebody be like does it really and yeah. you show them and they'd yeah. be like you know what after listening to it seven times i can tell and this is like yeah. if somebody doesn't come away from that being like, like that was mm. that was uh quite impressive <laughs> you yeah. know and just
3: good and funky yeah and so dark. that's joe dart uh of the band wolfpack and if you Uh, are not familiar with this band. They became pretty well-known a couple years ago uh, thanks to the website Reddit. Um, uh, (laughs) Really? Yeah, they've had a pretty hefty amount of um, internet success. Uh, Actually, in, I think, 2014, they released an album on Spotify that was nothing but complete silence. Uh, And they did this so that they could get their listeners to uh, listen to it and, and, and send them on their first tour. Uh, their first big tour, and so you
0: literally just play it at night,
3: like yeah, while you're yeah. sleeping on repeat, and it's just yeah. silent. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what people did. They just played it on repeat, so it, they gained quite a bit of money, enough money to <laughs> to uh, go on tour. But um, they're really a tremendous band, and it's kind of like a collective. They get a lot of different musicians in and out to play, you know, different parts on different songs. But um, and they've put out, I don't know, probably six or seven albums altogether. I guess um, they're relatively short. But good albums. Uh, But yeah, I mean, there's not much else I can say about this band other than every musician in the band is extremely tight. But Joe Dart's bass lines just are so funky and they just add a whole new layer of like deliciousness. Like just the fact that everything is so like syncopated and like on time and they're all like matching so well. It's like a perfectly fitting puzzle where like everything is on beat and everything sounds so good. not to mention, they write some, like, I could have picked any one of their songs. I picked Dean Town just because it's a shining example of, like, yeah. Yeah. where the bass comes through very clearly. But you can pick any of their songs and you'll just hear, like, it, every second of all their songs is hook. Mm. You know, like, like the, the verses in their songs are hook. Like, go listen to uh, Back Pocket, which is probably like their. You know biggest song but the the chorus line is a hook the verses are a hook like everything there's a clarinet solo in the end that's like just super catchy yeah. and like just pumps you right up and you're like so mm. is
2: it is it instrumental or like what's no the it's not all okay. instrumental
3: they do have vocals um i mean they have a couple of vocalists um but uh yeah one of their main vocalists uh theo Katzman, has a very like high-pitched like uh almost falsetto kind of voice mm-hmm. but um uh, everyone in the band is a tremendous singer uh, and they're they all like switch instruments kind of interchangeably. Like, you know, sometimes the drummer will go and play keys and like you know the keyboard player will come and play drums. And uh on this song in particular, Dean Town, there's actually two different drummers at work. Uh one guy is just playing uh kick and snare uh hmm. with his hands, and then the other guy's just like keeping the hi-hat rhythm. So like it's it's almost more impressive knowing that there's two different guys doing that. Like it sounds like it could easily yeah. be one person but you know when you you know if you go and watch the video on YouTube it's just like all of them in a living room playing yeah. the song. Yeah. Um hmm. but yeah it's it's very, very well done. I love the production of their music because it's like lo-fi, but like yeah. still modern. Very warm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's warm.
2: In that one, at least, I mean, because I haven't heard any of the rest of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, besides, I guess, if they recorded silence. I've heard silence before. <laughs> yeah. uh, not
3: their silence, but somebody else's silence. Definitely. <laughs> Somebody's John
2: Cage flavor a silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 333. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but they do a good or he does a good job there the bassist at least of like keeping it driving where he's doing enough on the low end mm-hmm. but also doing yeah. high end fiddly bits cuz that's a thing um Adam Neely has a video about like mentions that like you can't do bass solos like it's just not really yeah. a beneficial thing and i think the context of it is more so where he's talking about it in like a live show where um, you know it's like and now the guitar does a solo yeah, and yeah. it's the whole thing kind of building like now the bass does a solo and then mm. just the bottom drops out yeah. and the top you know is the, he bass is just kind of going up on the neck and it just sounds really thin and mm. bland at that point which yeah. there is a place for I think like you can do that well but it, it has to be I've part where at everything least is dying <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: like if everything dies down then the bassist can do that and yeah. it'll be fine and then it'll you know build it back up afterwards yeah but he does yeah. a good job there of like He's doing a lot of the low stuff mm-hmm. as well, so it's still driving yeah. while he's doing
3: And I think I I think that's kinda of one of the marks of a good bass line is like it doesn't have to just be the low end, but like it's still doing its job of like hitting the root note when it needs to be hit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, like still following the chord progression yeah. while Doing all the noodle stuff in between all of those essential notes and yeah. parts. And the yeah. fact
2: that there wasn't like an actual melody line particularly going right. on there to let him do different stuff every time too, and more often than if, mm-hmm. if there was a singer going on and he's doing. <laughs> doodle 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then the singer would be like, dude, shut up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm that doing my own work. work. Yeah. <laughs>
0: do it later.
3: Yeah, and there's definitely times when something like that. I mean, like if there were vocals in the song, maybe that wouldn't be so appropriate. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. You hear that sometimes in, in music where the, you know, just like we were talking about before, like the winking off with guitarists. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't always need to be so intense and so in depth, but you know, yeah. it, then there's other times when something like that is appropriate. And I don't think this crosses any lines of being like, look how much I'm no, showing off. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's it's Not super all. funky and, and yeah. just so well done. Yeah. And yeah. the dude just nailed it. Like, oh yeah, that,
0: that's the kind of thing. If it if he didn't do it so well, mm-hmm. it wouldn't sound as good. But like, oh, yeah. he every, videos, every single. Guy, like, he's all over the neck, and it's just like, <laughs> doing son, <laughs> get it, girl. Uh, I mean, it's, he's just really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just really tasty. Chad, True. what you got? Actually, it's Parker <laughs> next. Ooh. Ooh. Parker, I know heck Parker, off, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna say heck off about four more Chad times. Chad, what already. you got? We're skipping Parker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, that's fine. I've got They're them good. both right here. so <laughs> Um, to go I'll first. go ahead and go. So this is Parker. Yo, what's up? And uh, this song, different context of thing. It's more of a repetitive type bass part or whatever. Uh, this is Handmade Cities by Pliny. And again, I love, love Pliny. Pliny. Yeah. You heard them in the guitar solo section so and you're going to hear it again. Um, but yeah, I'll play it here in a second. It's more of the bass part. is actually The bassist is playing the same thing as like a synth bass at the same time. And it's. It's really like groovy and dirty and you're about to hear it, so here comes.
0: yeah tasty tasty timing <laughs> indeed yeah the and
2: so that bass part actually co- comes back it's some context of the song that's that stays that way for a little bit until it kind of tears down for a second there's a little bass solo actually was like and it's very yeah. nice and then you don't hear that bass part again at all until later it comes back and the whole outro is the guitarist doing the same thing and like kind of the whole band's doing that with some other stuff on top and the Rhythm keeps changing and stuff, and it's really neat. But um, man, I just love—it's a really
0: deep groove, and it's a little bit behind mm-hmm. the beat the whole
2: yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Like, if it weren't for those like snare and hi hat hits that kind of happen with it, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it would feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the timing. But it, it, but because of everything that kind of happens yeah. around it. It, f- it feels normal after, yeah. like, a couple bars of that. You're like, oh, no, okay. I, I like, feel the groove. I can feel what's going on. Yeah, this is yeah it's
3: almost like if the drums hadn't have been there, like it, it, it's like he's squeezing those last couple notes into the perfect rhythm. And it yeah. sounds like if the drums weren't there, it'd be like, well, no, he's off there. Yeah, But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. because yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the drums are so on time and, like, so with it, like, you can definitely hear yeah. that groove.
2: Because he goes, uh, boom, and it's, because, yeah. I mean, just by himself, it could have been, and it's yeah. like eh, that, that's Not something but it's always it's way better to have yeah the kind of push and pull mm-hmm. of the drums and the bass at the same time and
0: i mean the little yeah, yeah. those is nice yeah. no that, that makes me uh it reminds me a lot of like something snarky puppy would do like mm. a lot of their bass parts you know they'll have uh the lead guy who's playing bass and kind of like holding down the fort on the song and then you usually have some keyboardist that's kind of doing something similar with him yeah and you'll get those little like flashes of like oh but he's doing this and then the like, <laughs> synth guy's doing this and like but they they sit very well in that pocket and with the drummer like it just yeah
2: yeah yeah and you really didn't in this song i was thinking about it too and you didn't need that i mean obviously it would mm. kind of suck without it but it would, well, i mean you it's know. a cool flavor yeah because I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it very easily could just be boom but
0: with the envelope you know, of the synth like it makes yeah. it a whole new part yeah and that's i, I don't know like that, that changes the feel of it so much to have that little like wow yeah kind of sound to it
2: yeah so, so i just that was one i couldn't not pick that one because mm-hmm. the first time i heard that song i was kind of just blown away <laughs> and could not stop listening to specifically that part because it's just really fun but yeah so not a whole lot more to say about
0: that one chad cool so i i teased this one so hard last week of what i would have to pick at least for one of these parts yep um so this is a mystery song that parker will know <laughs> um, and probably some other people um but this is one of my favorite bass players and let's just go ahead and listen to it and
1: i'll kind of right. talk about it afterward
0: So yeah, that's Roy from Mute <laughs> <laughs> Um, No, it's, so that's the song "Obsolete" off their first album, um, mm-hmm. and this is a song that comes right off another song called "Stare at the Sun," and that and song just flows the sl- like the beginning of this song has a couple more repeated like choruses from that song of the "And we stare at the sun," and then this song kind of evolves out of that. The way they do it live, uh, I love it so much because usually what happens is they'll finish the song, that song, stare at the sun. Roy will very quickly put down his electric bass that he's been playing, um, and then he'll go grab an upright come to the front of the stage, like slam it down at the front and then just immediately go into this bass line that <laughs> continues through most of that song. and really anchors that song mm-hmm. in sort of a melodic bass part. It's the most melodic thing that happens for most of the song, to be yeah. honest, because like the guitars and the keys are so sporadic and floaty through the whole thing. But he and Darren King are just locked in uh, drums and bass that whole time. And they, mm-hmm. they lead the song in such a profound way. And man, it, it's so tasty because he'll throw in those little like extra little improvised licks between the yep. all uh-huh. that little stuff that happens after that is just flavor that he just is like okay this is what i'm gonna do now and yep. ugh, he's just such a gross player <laughs> yeah
2: yeah and the like the usage of that song too a lot of albums will have not a lot of albums but a decent number of albums will have like a song that's like ah, we're just gonna do like an instrumental thing that's kind of like a you know die down for a little bit um i know One of my favorite albums ever, Define the Great Line by Under Oath, Salmon Rear, is a song Mm -hmm. that's just there in the middle. And every time I'd pretty much skip it because I'm like, I don't (laughs) care about this right now. And this is one, there is no way, listening through this album, that you would ever skip this song. Oh, no. Because it's got, I mean, it's instrumental. And like, obviously, I love lots of other instrumental stuff, playing like that. But it's a band that's not
0: primarily an instrumental Mm -hmm. band, but you know well and there's a level to like some instrumental tracks where it's like so repetitive that there's nothing really interesting about it yeah this is not the case with this song it has a lot of repeating parts but it's just as like foundational to the album and like the way that mute math writes music as anything else that they do it just happens to not have like Mm -hmm. a melodic vocal or a a melodic like lyrical vocal part yeah there are some do you know
2: on the recording if he's playing a fretless bass or an
0: upright bass I would well that's a good question because I know at least in the like first couple tours they had where they were playing this he did have a fretless electric bass that he was playing, right? at least for that song. But in a lot of the later tours, he was playing upright. And I know on some of the albums he would play upright. So he may have played it on an upright and just used yeah. a fretless later on. I really don't know what they were That's probably the
2: case. I'd feel like, cause I mean, like,
0: I mean, if you're going to record something in your house, like they, they, yeah. they are so into like self-production. I could see them just kind of like, he's like, ah, I've got this upright. We'll yeah. use it for one song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: It makes me wish more modern bands would use an upright bass. <laughs> yeah,
0: but <laughs> well, he does it really well too, though. Like yeah. all those little slides that he does yeah. in this, like, and and too the the really warm tone that he has mm-hmm. in that song, are because it's an upright. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you don't get that from a fretted bass. Uh-huh. And, uh It's so tasty.
2: Taking a moment to pause so far, I realized that so far our songs, and I think this is probably going to change moving forward for the next couple or I don't know, I haven't looked at you guys' (laughs) list, but these have all been mostly like instrumental pieces or at least instrumental sections where it's like, here's the bassist doing a thing. Mm. I mean, you know, kind of with some of them. um, Um, My next one is not like that. Yeah, same here. So (laughs) I'm curious to see how how the conversation changes. So like, I mean, you know, as listeners, like thoughts on that's maybe like, that's how to do cool stuff as a bassist when you're, you know, when you're front- you know forefront or whatever yeah but it's but but like how how does that apply in the middle of an actual song where it's Mm -hmm. useful and you're you know not unuseful but yeah Um, i don't know
3: yeah totally uh my next one is not like that at all (laughs) (laughs) uh my next one is the one that i knew i was gonna pick from the start um this is a song that i have been in love with since i first heard it uh it's another one of those kind of like defining songs for me like it definitely turned me on to this genre of music uh it's garage rock which (laughs) anybody who knows me knows i'm a huge fan of garage rock uh and this is a classic song i mean it's it's i'd say it's pretty timeless this whole record is timeless (laughs) oh for sure Uh, this is the opening track off the album is this it it's called is this it by the band the strokes
2: by the band is this it (laughs) (laughs)
3: it's just it's so catchy it's so catchy i i mean like that's a song for me when i first heard that bass line i was like okay this is now the greatest bass line i've ever heard like this is the best it's just it's so good like people always talk about you know like no money by pink floyd that's the best bass line like another one by the dust like no 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 no." like it's it's got to be this for me it's got to be this song Mm. um and i i guess there's a couple reasons that i would you know explain why it's it's good other than the fact that it's just so catchy i mean yeah, yeah. just like that i i don't know i guess a part of it is has to do with the fact that uh the first verse is just guitar drums and vocals and there's no bass and the the bass comes in with the whole notes you know on the on the first chorus there which is what you just heard leading in and then the second verse they you know and drop that that sweet sweet bass (laughs) line uh but that's one example of where you know it's it's not taking away from anything else in the song it's not you know uh making you lose track of what you're supposed to be hearing which is the whole song but i think this song in particular and the majority of this record is is a perfect example of all the musicians in the band working together to make one cohesive like great song uh come together um you know, and especially on a song like this where the guitar is more or less doing something more minimalistic, you know, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so's yeah, the vocalist, honestly, yeah. too. Oh yeah, no. So I mean there's there's nothing particularly special about the guitar and the vocals. It's not really until the bass kicks in where you're like, Okay, now we're in the hook part. Like that yeah, that to me is like the chorus, while you might argue it's catchy, mm-hmm. the hook of the song is the bass line. Yeah. And that's where it immediately becomes interesting. Well. So. And-
0: and he, he does a really funny thing in like this song and in a lot of the Strokes music to begin with uh-huh. is their their music isn't particularly like happy sounding. A lot of it's very upbeat, but it's not super happy sounding, right. which, I mean, Julian Casablanca's vocal style is very harsh yes. and very not really very melodic. But that bass part injects this, this little like happy little bass <laughs> exactly. line into this overall just kind of like kind it's of grungy, melancholy really, melancholy of. kind of sounding song mm-hmm. and then it's like oh this is a, this is a nice shining little yeah. bass part for this yeah. this kind of melancholy song that makes it all feel just a little bit nicer yeah <laughs>
3: and yeah like you said julian Casablancas writes a lot of more or less depressing lyrics yeah. and the way that he delivers them is very like eh, just like droney and almost sad like he's a great yeah. singer don't, don't get know, me wrong sure. well but, especially
0: for what he's doing yes
3: like, yeah it, it, it doesn't like it, it works great for the band but like yeah. the bass parts shouldn't match but they do and i think yeah. that's <laughs> part of what makes it so good mm-hmm. um yeah but that's yeah, that's,
2: yeah that's for sure definitely. and i mean i think he obviously filled in the space that with if the singer were doing something more interesting for lack of a better word i mm-hmm. guess yeah. you know no, something more melodic yeah. then the bassist like that would be super out of place yeah. um because it would Either be clashing with it, or it'd be like mimicking it, or something like that, you know. But the fact that the the singer is just
1: yeah.
2: using that bass part and doing things that are actually interesting, throwing in color notes mm-hmm. that the yeah. the singer's not doing, the guitarist isn't really doing. They're pretty much just you know using
3: pretty standard notes in the context yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. The bass is like, yeah, here we go. Let's just yeah, <laughs> I mean, like that's that's pretty much the the, the whole of that song is. It's, it's nothing that you know an average musician couldn't learn oh, like, yeah, uh, no, it's, sure. it's all it's all doable like there's there's no like technical prowess there yeah it just happens to be like very it's a good recipe that makes yeah. up a really really great catchy song yep. mm-hmm. yeah yeah so my
2: next one is um, the as far as the flavor notes and things go I feel like this is another one that does some of that kind of thing. Um, and the context of where this falls in the song so the song is um, 17 New Years by Polly Enzio and this is kind of the bridge sort of I guess um, but it's similar to the to the verses beforehand but the the usage of it is more kind of in a bridge sort of format um, so the basses is doing just more interesting things in this one because the whole thing stripped down a little bit but um, yeah I'll just go ahead and play it and we'll check it out
1: I don't want to leave your heart to know got to for us to grow positive sign
0: and even flow catch a space and time for letting go did you breathe in the mountain
3: Has some very tasty. Has a very like
0: jazz fusion kind of feel to me, at least mm-hmm. in that moment. Like yeah. the way that the bassist is playing, that mm-hmm. that makes me think of a lot of like gospel and jazz fusion. Yeah, the the fourth bar, whatever, I, you
2: know, fourth little segment or line that he's playing, where he goes up to the nine, up, mm-hmm. like that. It took me a while actually before I noticed it. I just knew that I yeah. liked it because I don't pay attention to bass very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um And when I first paid attention to that, I was like, "Goodness gracious, that is." <laughs> very it adds a lot to um to everything else is pretty plain there um and the the vocalist is actually doing some slightly more interesting stuff than kind of in the last song mm-hmm. but the bassist is picking some decent placement around that i feel like yeah. you know mm-hmm. where he's not just going all like it's more ear candy than it is driving it in yeah. the same mm-hmm. way as
3: you know
1: other yeah. songs. Would it's use just bass. extra little flavor. Yeah. Well, I think yeah.
3: it. I think it is pretty driving. I mean, w- what I heard there is like you know you got the the main, I guess like rhythm of the song. You know the guitar and the piano are kind of doing the. They're going uh, from the what is it the, the minor third to the mm-hmm. root. They're bum bum or you know the bass mm-hmm. is like he you know he could do bum bum <laughs> like he could, bum bum, 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 So he's still yeah. hitting all the same notes that yeah. they're doing. He's just doing more and keeping the song driving. Yeah. You know, like he he keeps it interesting yep. because we've all heard a million times the songs bum bum yeah, yeah. it's easy to go from you know four one yeah but and
2: it's it's funny with these kinds of things too it wouldn't make it a worse song it, it wouldn't make it a bad song for the bassist to not be doing interesting things right. and, yeah. and you know yeah. any of these examples um beside i don't know yeah
0: but it's nice it's nice to hear musicality
2: yeah exactly yes. and i think the thing that i noticed as being like the main thing that or not the main thing, but one of the most important parts of making a good bass part is like syncopation. <laughs> it's yes. really important. Yes. Right. But I I wish we'd pick some bad examples too. Like I'm <laughs> curious if there's any times where, you know, bass is like, I'm going to use syncopation it'll sound really good and then overdoes and it, it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, um, I can't think of anything offhand, so maybe that doesn't happen that often. But um, yeah, more often than not, I feel like basses just kind of stay on, you know, the stick with the kick drum. That's what I do a lot of times playing yeah. bass, especially like doing, you know, well, stuff you're never going to
3: get, a, you're <laughs> never going to get a bad result. If that's what you do yeah. as a bass player, 100%. you might not get the best result yeah. or like the best, the most catchy song or whatever, but you know, it, stick with the drums because again, the bass is a rhythm instrument. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's what it's there for.
2: Yeah. The first time and I remember the first time somebody told me that I was like in eighth grade at church and mm-hmm. the guy who was playing bass was like, yeah, I mean, bass really is a rhythm instrument. I'm like, no, you're dumb. It's not. It's like, it obviously doesn't have a kick drum or snare. But
0: it's, it's, it's pitch. Silly, silly, yeah.
2: But it do, it bridges that gap really well yeah. between rhythm and actually, yeah, pitch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does some interesting things mm-hmm. that yeah. nothing else can really do. So that's uh, it for that one. Chad, what's your next yeah.
0: one? So speaking of not following the kick drum, um, <laughs> that's exactly what my example is going to do. Uh, but so I I kind of shot myself in the foot last week because my like song my soundtrack for the week pick was bombay bicycle club uh-huh. mm. and it was pretty much that a line had been stuck in my head for uh, yeah. like half a year and i finally figured out what it was and yeah. i was thinking about it this week and i was like man if i hadn't already talked about that i would have just picked that song <laughs> um but i did end up picking another bombay bicycle club song because it is a bass part that has stuck with me for a while mm-hmm. And it's a song that was a bonus track for their album, uh, How Can You Swallow So Much Sleep? Mm-hmm. That when I bought it off iTunes, it was like, hey, since you bought this whole album, like, yeah, it's a bonus track to you. And I can't, for the love of God, figure out why they didn't put it on the actual album. Because it's such a good song. And it, huh. and it encapsulates so many things that I really like about Bombay Bicycle Club. And I don't know why it's not part of the album, because it's so good. <laughs> um, but it's a song called Beg. And it was like, like I said, it's just tacked on in the end of that album if you buy it off iTunes. And it's so good. The, the bass mm. does not sit with the drum track at mm. all, at any part. But he does so many good little syncopated stuff around it that I absolutely love. But it happens during the verses. So let's go ahead and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's not like a crazy part. Yeah. But it but it doesn't sit on the same beat. Right. Like the drummer's just sitting there on four on the floor yeah. and doing, you know, double hi-hat or whatever, but the bass player is like hitting every note around that. Yeah. yeah. Like specifically just <laughs> not hitting the one <laughs> on any of those yes. until that like fourth bar of the phrase mm-hmm. where he switches the off beat that he's on. So mm-hmm. it's a and and then it fits back onto this and it's just oh it's so tasty and i don't know why it's not on the album it makes me so mad because it's not on spotify at all oh
1: that's
3: so
0: anywhere like i because i've looked through all of their singles and everything and it's just it's just not there yeah i don't you can find a couple live videos on youtube of them playing it at like a radio station or something like that but it's it's you have a hard time finding the single, hmm. not just in iTunes. And so right. it's so good. You really <laughs> should just listen to the whole thing. Cause it does so many good things. Like the guitar parts are really cool and really harmonized the whole time. And the very last section of the song, everything changes. Oh, and it's just so good. I, I <laughs> yeah, I just love this song so much. I just want it to be on the album. <laughs>
3: yeah. So I have kind of a funny story about the band Bombay bicycle club. Uh, back when I was in college, uh, uh, band member of mine uh was big fan of them Mm. i had never listened to them and he told me like hey you can go and check out this band because you know the things that we were doing i guess had some similar tastes to like you know this band so i kind of just put it off like yeah whatever i'll get to it so eventually i actually took it seriously and i went home and i uh bought their, uh, the, their first album. Yep. And I was listening to it. And I was like, all right, this is a pretty good, man. I don't see how like they relate to, you know, my band and all. Cause we're like a pop band kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, it wasn't until way later that I realized that the band he had told me to listen to was Bombay Bicycle Club, not Black Rebel Motorcycle oh, Club. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit different. So, <laughs> I became a fan of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, like Which the has hard some
0: rock cool bands, songs. But, yeah, but
1: that's but really not really funny. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny.
0: No, yeah, this one is definitely a little bit more like Funky Poppy than like a Garage Rock. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I told you to listen to Black Sabbath, not Seventh-day Adventist
0: local church. <laughs> like, I was there all day on Sunday, man. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't play one cool song. They weren't even in the
1: instruments.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> funny time. That's so good. Yeah.
3: Anyways. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what's next? Oh, I'm going next. Yeah, you got the okay. last one. All right. Uh, my last song was, uh, guys, <laughs> see, I wanted to pick so many things. Yeah. We'll just have to do the topic again some other day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we'll come you back know, like for a part two years. of probably everything <laughs> that we've done. But um, yeah, uh, my last pick was something that I I, I wrestled with, but I, at the end of the day, I couldn't let it go like untouched. Like I could not talk about it. Um, It's pretty much, it's the master, James Jamerson. If you haven't heard of James Jamerson, you have, because he's played on literally (laughs) every Motown song that you've ever heard. Uh, Mm. Every one that's worth talking about, like he's the bass player on. Um, James Jamerson is probably the greatest bassist that ever lived, like, Period. Uh, and I know that's that's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, stretch. That's a like, strong statement. You're okay, saying. I'll say this: if he's not the best that ever lived, he's the best that you don't know about. Right? Like, <laughs> that's probably fair. But like you do because yeah. he's on everything. Like this guy played with the Jackson Five. He played with like uh, Stevie Wonder. He played with so many like great classic artists, like the Temptations, the Four Tops. Um, and he was he was all over their records. And his bass lines, while maybe like some or you know, I guess most hidden in the background just shine through like once you hear them they shine through and they immediately become what you like about that song mm. like you know you might listen to abc by the jackson five and be like oh that's a nice song but then you hear that bass on you're like like this is a whole new song to me <laughs> and he did that with literally every single song that he ever recorded uh the song that i picked is what's going on by marvin Gaye, it's the opening track to the the classic motown record uh probably the best r&b record ever uh what's going on <laughs> Uh, and not to take anything away from I'll Marvin say, Gay hey, because
2: what's going on? <laughs> yeah. yes, that, that's that, the that, one yeah. we're talking about, exactly. The yeah. He-Man version from <laughs> yeah.
3: YouTube. Yeah. Got it. Um.
2: <laughs> that's gonna be stuck in my head for seven weeks now and it's all my fault.
3: Uh, here's what you need to do. You need to go on YouTube and watch the ten hour version, mm-hmm. all oh of it. My. And then it'll be out of your head. Just- I'm not sure that'll happen. I think it'll make it worse. But keep going. Yours <laughs> is more important. <laughs> Um, yes, but uh, this is uh, what's going on. We'll listen to it. And I'll say probably a whole lot more about it. Go on.
1: We don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer for only love.
3: Okay, so before I talk anything about the bass line, I want to say, anybody listening to this podcast right now who may be confused about the current political state of our country, listen to this album, (laughs) and everything will be solved for you because this is the... Oh, my God. Like There are so many good lyrics in the song, and Marvin Gaye is just one of those guys. Like... uh, everything he wrote was I mean like yeah obviously he's known for like his love of making songs but like this this record in particular man like there's there's so many right things on that album Mm it's like once you listen to it like figure it out if you're Mm -hmm. listening to the lyrics in that track you're like yeah
1: what is going on (laughs) what is
2: going on I said hey what's (laughs) going on
3: (laughs) but um yes uh, please do yourself a favor. Go, go listen to that whole record if you haven't heard it. I'm sure many people have at this point. It's a very famous record. Um, but that's James Jamerson uh, mm-hmm. on the bass. And it's, it, like I said, it's kind of tucked away in the song. But if you were to isolate that bass track, you would hear like some of the earliest examples of the bass like really standing out and, and not following the traditional rules of the bass, yeah. which is part of like why I picked him because he's he's one of those guys that like kind of developed the idea of like, oh, we don't have to just sit back here and, and you know just hold down the root notes. Like we can we can actually explore the neck of this this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. instrument for once. Um and, they put all I these mean,
0: extra frets up yeah. at the top and I, yeah, I never exactly. knew what those were for and so
3: <laughs> And I mean and there's nothing like particularly like I, I I picked this song because it's it's like I could have picked anything that he did because there's not one example of like okay listen to this and you can hear how good Mm -hmm. he is (laughs) like everything that he does is subtle but it's it's that's what makes him a master is the fact that he's not trying to take over the song like the songs weren't written for him you know he's a studio musician and he's he just happens to be one of the best studio musicians ever uh, which is why everybody called him I mean like go listen to some of Stevie Wonder's earlier tracks are fantastic, and you know he's all over those records. James Jamerson is all over those records. Um He had a solo band, and and then they were very very good, and that kind of showed off his technical abilities a little bit more. But you know I, what I like about him is that he, helped he really knows define, how to dance. He, he
2: held down all around <laughs> something about true romance.
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, he kind of oh, helped geez. define the sound
3: <laughs> of Motown and like R and B and like a lot of original yeah. funk, a lot of that mm-hmm. early stuff. I mean, like this this song came out in the '60s, and it's like you know to think like people were doing that kind of stuff back then. And, and I know he wasn't the only one, but I, I just you know he's got a special place in my heart for like yeah. help helping define the sound of a genre, you yeah, know? yeah. And, and a lot more genres. Like without p- people like him, maybe the bass today, you know, would still be that background instrument that nobody really cares about. Yeah. You know, it's just doing its job and whatever. But yeah, go listen to James Emerson, listen to Marvin Gaye, listen to Stevie Wonder, go <laughs> do yourself a favor and brush up on your history because... There's some some real gems in that old music and and, and, yeah, I know we've we've heard it. We've heard like the the classics and stuff like that. But you don't
2: always pay attention to that. Exactly. You know, to the details in there too. So, It's important for good instrumentation.
3: And like I said, I didn't want to take anything away from Marvin Gaye in that song or any of the other instruments in there. But like if you were to listen to the guitar in that song, it's pretty much one chord, you know? It's it's (laughs) brum, brum, brum. So it's like, you know, it'd probably be a lot more boring of a song had it not been for that moving bass line. Yep. That you know you don't notice unless you're looking for it, but it does. It's such a part of why I think you don't notice it too. And one of the things
2: I noticed about it because we were paying attention to it, he doesn't move to any notes the same way twice. Really, yes. I mean, you know, it's yeah. uh, similar-ish, but it's mm. not like doom 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 right. because that yeah, it's you pay not a attention. walking bass line exactly. It's, yeah, and I mean, yeah. even if it were, you know, him doing what mm. he was doing, but then repeated the same, you know, boom do do boom do do do, 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 bom, mm-hmm. do, 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 do. Like that you you notice repetition and so I think listeners would be more aware of it yeah. and it would draw more attention, yeah. possibly in an unwanted way. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that he's kind of messing around or doing you know, doing what he's doing but differently every time, yeah. I think adds And to that's why you might not difficulty. say
3: like there's anything in particular that I, I would point out because it's not repetitive, you know, like there's 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 not like a riff. Like he doesn't yeah. do riffs. Right. Like he plays the bass the mate the <laughs> way that it was meant to be played. But everything is different. Like every verse, every bar, he's doing something new. Yep. But like, you know, it's 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 all good. It's all great. And it all does wonders for the song. Yep. Yeah. It all does Stevie wonders. For the song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> womp womp.
2: Another example of somebody, um, this relates to a listener submission that we're going to get into real quick. Hmm. Um, well, so here, I'll read it first. Um, so it's from Chris Teague. And he said, anything Pino Palladino plays is my favorite, uh, which so similar kind of thing where he sure. plays on a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, him on Chicken Grease by D'Angelo, and his work with John Maker, Tri- John Mayer Trio, <laughs> John Maker Trio, <laughs> uh, John Mayer Trio's Good Love is on the way and Come When I Call. Also the and then this is separate from Pino Palladino. Also the baseline on Attention by Charlie Puth is really dope. Also, Sexy Dirty Love by Demi Lovato, the pre-chorus licks are killer. Um, so that was his kind of whole spiel thing. And we're only going to take one. One of those obviously uh, it's not going to be the Pinot Palladino one ironically but um, but that was another one like Chris is a friend of mine and he'll all the time like anytime you know somebody's playing bass I feel like Pinot Palladino comes up where it's like I mean if you were doing like a Pino Palladino kind of stuff that would be great you know I mean that's, it's an <laughs> yeah. exaggeration to say that exactly that you know yeah. that he brings up every time but just that kind of thing where same kind of thing he does interesting things that are in the background so the one we're actually going to listen to is attention by charlie pooth um so here play her.
1: you just want attention you don't want my heart maybe you just hate the thought of me with someone new yeah you just want attention I've never noticed that bass part. It. And yeah, I've definitely I heard <laughs> it before. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: So, yeah. yeah. I think that's a just a good classic example of the the use of the octave. I mean yeah, oh that's, yeah for sure. I know I've written a bazillion bass lines that are all octave-based. And and yeah. there's so many great ones that are. Like, I mean, one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands, yeah. Groundlandic <laughs> Edit, you know, it's mm-hmm. the bass line. is bo-bo-bo, 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 bo Yeah. Like, it's, it's just built on octaves. And, and that's a really good yeah. example of that. And yeah.
2: And it's using, <laughs> like... It's doing the color notes thing. It's doing a lot of like hammer ons from the seven mm-hmm. to bow, don't don't, bo-
0: don't, like that seven to octave thing but it's always little like leading tones yeah Yeah. yes exactly right like he's doing a lot of like passing he's making passing chords Mm -hmm. in between the actual like main chords but it's all through octaves and like kind of leading into it so So here's a question too
2: Um, so I was talking to Chris about this example and I was trying to figure out who played the bass on it so does it change you guys thoughts on it at all to find out that it's MIDI or I mean you know that it's no not at all bass or whatever
0: Okay, it it still sounds like somebody would be playing a real bass Mm -hmm. and I mean regardless of whether it's MIDI or not I mean, it's still yeah. funky. It still is what it is.
3: You know you what know? else yeah. is a synth based bass line? Me.
0: Uh, bah, 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 uh, superstition? Oh, oh no, no. No, no, no. Superstition. No, I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. Seinfeld? Yeah. Cool. All that stuff
3: was just some guy kind on of
2: keyboard, yeah. like. Man, yeah. yeah, there's blah. a video about that that's the best where the guy was like, oh, I just made some stuff
3: up. Yeah. And I, did I think that. I've seen in that video yeah. of what you're talking but about. Yeah.
2: I haven't paid super attention to it, but it was funny to watch it like case. he's
3: just doodling the yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh this sound effect is neat yeah
2: but no i that baseline obviously like is adding so much to it right there oh yeah so, for sure uh we got one more listener submission i was talking to my friend mitch rabbit today as well and mitch. um so this isn't anything he wrote specifically but just from the conversation uh the red hot chili peppers it feels like they do more than you need to do for a bass part uh, they do things that are funky instead of the bare minimum and then i put an x at the end so minimum x <laughs> whatever uh, typos uh but yeah so um yeah let me go ahead and just play one of the examples she's a
1: lover baby and a fighter should have seen a coma when i got a little brighter with the name like day in california day was going
3: Guys, um I got I got kind of a personal story to share about that and that that record. Um I think everybody knows who that was. Yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. One of the biggest fans in the world. Yeah, that's Flea. Uh obviously a great bass player. Um, definitely not underrated in any sense of the word. And he brings a lot to that (laughs) band. Um and I, I like Flea, I love the Chili Peppers. Uh I haven't listened to them as much as I would like to sadly lately but um actually this record in particular uh stadium arcadium which was the last album that they put out with john Frusciante on guitar who's in my opinion one of the best guitars um they uh that album came out in 2006 and i was a high schooler uh in north carolina i had kind of just gotten my footing in north carolina i was a military brat so we kind of moved around a lot um and it was 2006 and i was a 10th grader and I bought this record, and I fell in love with it instantly. I mean, it's twenty eight song record, and every song is, is twenty
0: eight really, song
2: yeah, record. Yeah, I did not 20, realize
3: that That's twenty eight song album,
0: horrible and impressive all at the same yeah. time. <laughs> so it's a, it's a double mercy, album, yeah.
3: and I mean, like they really went all out with this record, but it it really is great, you know, from from start to finish. Yeah, and I mean, say what you will about the Chili Peppers, but like I will, they yeah they I, they, <laughs> they were one of my favorite bands for a very very long time. And I bought this record, and this Excuse is part me. of the reason I fell in love with them. Well, anyways, uh, I love this record, and uh, I was in North Carolina, and I had just gotten, like, a lot of friends, and, like, I was making things happen, but, you know, my my uh, dad told me that he got orders to move, so we we ended up having to move, and, and that ended up, uh, like, causing a really, really rough time for me, because hmm. it was, like, the North Carolina was the first place, the small town I lived in, it was, like, the first place that I ever really felt, like, at home and like I started to make musician friends and and like was getting to know a lot of people in in school and in church and every you know everything was finally starting to look up and like you know cuz we were we were told like you know we're going to stay here for a while and like mm-hmm. so make yourselves at home and you know just as I started to like get familiar with the place I found out, found out that I had to leave so um yeah that was a really rough time in my life but uh, you know I I listened to this album in early 2006 and it was really the only thing that like stayed constant for me in that year. Like I, I ended up like it was it was my record of the summer. And I, as silly as of, of an idea as it is, like I know this was a huge album and they're a huge band, but like this album felt like it was mine. Like it, like this was my thing that I had and like no one else had. And so like when everything around me was changing, I could always come back to this, and and that was just a really good feeling. And now when I go back and listen to these songs, like I said, not as much lately as I would like to I still get those same feelings like everything is coming back to me like sitting up in my room like just headphones on listening to this album while trying to contemplate like all these people I met like I'm probably not going to talk to them anymore and now I have to like move to another state again Mm -hmm. so that album is a really really good comfort album for me Mm. and I I think we all have at least one record like that it like brings you back to a certain time in your life that it helped you get through it so yeah um I almost don't want it to be (laughs) <laughs> but the Red hot chili peppers. Got me through high school. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah.
2: Man. That's cool.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. I mean,
2: really. Yeah, and it's interesting, like hearing that about because I don't I don't have anything particularly negative to say about red-hot chili peppers, but I just like kind of I'm like I'm blasé about them, don't sure. particularly care. But that makes me feel better about them as a band, knowing that somebody that I care about <laughs> Like, you know, has it, because there's a lot of bands where I wouldn't imagine that, you know, band ABC has, that people have, like, emotional connection, because they just feel more more of a fun band to me, so Mm -hmm. knowing that kind of thing, too, helps uh kind of change the view just a little bit where it's like the band hasn't changed at all, but the mm. context of it and the fact that there can be meaning behind something that I'm kinda like, well, whatever about, yeah. you know. Yeah. Changes the the view. And that's how I feel yeah. too.
3: Like, I mean, you know, I've told you guys this before, like my musical tastes have changed drastically over yeah. the years. And I mean, I wouldn't seek out a band like that anymore. Yeah, I no, mean, for sure. But, you know, at the time For whatever reason, I liked them and I liked this album. Um, Another really great track on that record that I will stand behind 100% is called Animal Bar. It's another really, really great bass line in that song that kind of carries the song. And uh, it's a very fast moving song. And then at the very end, they slow it down like a whole lot, basically like half time it. And there's a really, really tremendous guitar solo that is. Just really, 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 really nice uh, in tone. It almost sounds improvised. Like everyone was just kind of like, "Yeah, let's let's go with this." Like it was their first take in the studio. But mm. um, yeah, twenty eight songs on that record, Man, uh, and That's wild. And they're all good. Like, they, they, it it is a really really solid record. Yeah.
2: Yep. And well, I mean, bass wise, their flea obviously has well, yeah. is a big name in there. And <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't even say overrated by any means. I would just say you know. He's a bassist that, in the same way that, like Pete Winston, Fallout Boy, everybody just knows, you know, he's a character yes. in it. So, yeah. or, not a character, but, you know, yeah, an actual of. prominent well, person. He's yeah, a in little a band. bit of a character. Yeah, right, <laughs> true. But, um, you know, at that point, it's somebody that, as a bassist, gets to stand out. And I feel like there's a lot mm-hmm. more bands that, if their bassist got a chance to stand out, then people would feel like that about them, too. But not every kind of music, it really fits that for, yeah. even. Um, but, I mean, Fleet does a great job, yeah. you know, and again, sure. I, don't really care about red hot chili peppers music particularly i kind of feel like a lot of it sounds really the same to me <laughs> but no, i feel you on which that. is funny because i also <laughs> listen to metal and like I, oh yeah no for sure like <laughs> it's I, I totally bit, fall into that yeah trod. you know cat calling the yeah. kettle what
0: cat <laughs> calling, <laughs> the, kettle. Yeah. Hey,
1: the cats kettle.
0: over here like no that <laughs> pot <laughs> looks <laughs> really kettle <laughs> get over here <laughs> So on that note, we're going to take a (laughs) short break and we'll be right back with our topic talk.
1: Hey everybody,
2: thank you so much for listening. Right now you're hearing the song All That I Am Made For by the band Out of the Dust. They're a Christian music husband and wife duo based out of Nashville, Tennessee and they're actually on tour all across the states this summer doing a lot of house shows in various spots. So go ahead and check out their website outofthedustmusic.com or follow them on social media at outofthedustmusic and you'll be able to see if they're going to be somewhere near you. So this song, All That I Am Made For off their debut record, Out of the Dust. Everybody, we're back, and uh, we're going to actually skip the game segment for today because we're going to do a topic talk, and we're going to use some music examples for that, but uh, just a quick follow-up on last week's game segment. This is a, a little tasty treat. Um, we mentioned last week, don't want to miss a thing, and I pointed <laughs> oh. out that I commented on the YouTube video, and that people <laughs> responded to it, and that it was very funny to me. <laughs> so, on the official don't, uh, yeah, don't want to miss a thing YouTube video, there's a comment that says, for not wanting to close his eyes, he sure is doing it a lot. By Parkalark, which is me, has
1: 137
2: likes, and um, and then here's just the chain. I'll I'll mention when it's me responding. But uh, one person says his eyes were shut during the whole song. Ha <laughs> ha. The next one. <laughs> you humans are belittled. <laughs> Which I don't. (laughs) And so I responded to that. I was like. Who
3: responded to you with that? Yeah, so
2: it was Henry Cobb. Uh, You humans are belittled. I said, Henry Cobb, (laughs) I'm not sure I know what you mean, but I'm sure you're not wrong. And then put a little smiley face. And then uh, OSW, I don't know who this is, says, Parkalark, how dare you disrespect? How rude. You must be new to this.
0: New to what? I don't know. YouTube
3: or.
2: Wait, 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 wait.
3: Wait, hang on, hang on. I want to go. How dare you disrespect? I want to go back to wait, wait. What was what was the first comment? You
2: humans are belittled. What was
3: his Henry name? Henry Cobb. I want to go back to Henry's Cobb.
0: Okay. Is Henry's Cobb a lizard person?
3: Uh, he's not a human, right? Like
1: that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's you the joke humans here. are
3: belittled. <laughs>
1: I am very tall. <laughs>
3: oh, I feel like he's a dog somewhere that just learned how to use a computer. Bork,
0: bork, bork. You do.
1: are belittles. Bork, bork, bork.
2: Uh, yeah. So then, yeah. How dare you disrespect. Out. How rude. You must be new to this. And then again, I commented, no disrespect. Just a simple <laughs> joke. I was listening to the song in the car and thought it would be funny if he closed his eyes in the video. That's all. Somebody commented, yes. That cracked me up. Cracked me up. It's true. <laughs> oh, man. So that, I... man that just made me so happy when people commented those things I was like what in the world are you talking about it's true
0: (laughs) Henry's Cobb if you're out there I just want to know what you are just tell me what you are. Uh,
1: okay. So, so anyway. there was th-
2: there was that. That was our quote-unquote game segment for today. Um, yeah. But so, the topic we're going to talk about, and there's a bit of a backstory to this topic as well. Prior to doing this podcast, I was briefly in a stint with um, my friends Cole Manis and Matthew Penfound, where we were going to start a podcast, and we got all, like, two episodes in, and then it never went up and never really happened. <laughs> but we talked about this same topic on there, and it was very interesting, Um and so I'm curious to see also how this conversation differs from that one. I'm actually going to be using one of the same examples because I don't know, it, it's still true. Yeah. Um, uh, but curious just,
3: like what you guys is our program. You guys conversation in this podcast yeah. and yeah. then <laughs> just pretend like it was us talking Hello, the whole time. I am
2: Matthew Penfound and I am Parker. Um, but yeah, so, but the topic is, uh, what is, I don't even know how, what the best way is to ask the question, but like, what is heavy music? What makes music heavy? You know, like, when you say heavy about music, like what's the, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah,
2: we'll have some examples and talk about it and whatever. But, yeah, any thoughts?
3: Um, I, I think heavy is a slang term. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, sure. it's not a literal term. What? And it can mean, it can, it can <laughs> mean, you guys mean anything. it been picking up your music lately? <laughs> it, it can be like, <laughs> I mean, it can, like, I, obviously, the go to when you say heavy music is metal. I mean, type sure. in heavy music online, and you're going to get metal songs. Um, so, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, this or is the orc. heaviest thing yeah. you'll hear <laughs> all day. <laughs> 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 and it's just some band that's, like, got distortion all the way turned yeah, up oh, yeah. and some fuzz. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and that's heavy. But that's not heavy to me. Like, that's just, that's music. That's yeah. just, like. Yeah, you turn your amps all the way up. Okay. Yeah. What's heavy about that? <laughs> yeah. Like it's loud. <laughs> it might be fast, or like, or it might be like so slow that they're like, "Yeah, this is yep.
1: doom."
3: Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't. I do mean love heavy. some like that...
0: shoegaze
2: doom. Oh kind man. Of stuff. Yes. <laughs> so that always reminds me of my friend Eric Hodge in college. We were. He was telling me about he saw the word Alive, which is a metal yeah. band. That they're they're drummers nuts. <laughs> yeah, um, but he saw them live, and they said something to the effect of like, "Now we're going to do the heaviest part of our set, or whatever." And I mean, literally, it's it just gets to the part of like doo doo doo
0: doo. Drur, Tsh, drur, yeah, <laughs> 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 yep. it and it's like, like China going. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. and it,
2: it's just like really slow and lots of space and it just kind of feels like okay that's it's no, a gimmick that's not it's, yeah, a, it's exactly. a gimmick that's and... when you're trying to make something yeah. heavy yeah. by just doing the like it's going to be slow and low yeah. yeah slow and low
0: so so i mean there are there are aspects to that that are yeah. kind of true like i mean okay so there there's obviously these the idea that to be heavy you have to be mm-hmm. low you have, yep. to, have to be mm-hmm. drop tuned you, right. you can't be in standard like all this stuff which obviously there are bands like under oath that for the most i mean they play in drop d but it's mm-hmm. still like standard drop d it's not yeah. dropped three half steps or something like that but to me what has made sections feel heavy is when there's a lead-in to it yeah and there there's a, a facet to like a Mm build-up that when it actually goes into a drop or a a slower more chuggy section can feel really heavy and i'd actually like you to play my second example right now um, because it's a really good example of that yeah So there's a build there like yeah. they have the big chunky like yeah. I mean, the section right after that mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. where everything opens up and the drummer yeah. starts doing a lot of fills that's the heaviest section of that whole thing to me yeah. mm-hmm. and it's because there's a ramp up to it it's not just and now we get really slow yeah. and low mm-hmm. and everything it's still moving it's the same exact tempo as everything else that comes before and after it yeah but because it's so huge the The largeness and the openness of the sound created by three dudes, yeah, yeah that's that's heavy to me. Yeah. That's like, oh, let's
2: get this and like, it also like depends on the context of the song as a whole too. Ooh, you know, where yes. like if you compared that bit specifically and took that and then took, you know, like a doom metal song or whatever, yeah. like it wouldn't sound quote unquote heavy at all, but within the context of the song, and I think mm-hmm. there's some examples we'll get into talking about that aren't metal specifically too that, are still kind of heavy in that, but one more kind of, I'll give my actual second example as well. Um And, but it does do the, like it slows down halfway through, yeah. but to me it's still, um, it's the intensity of it more so than just like the fact that it's going slow and the vocals as well of it. Um, but this is China White 2 by um, He Is Legend. Oh Yeah.
0: Real quick, that was Harper Lewis by Russian Circles. Oh, yes. Nice. Yeah. I
1: was going to say, who, who did yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, that's who
0: did Russian it? Circles. They're a little three piece instrumental band. Cool. Real good. Nice. So,
2: yeah, this is a China White 2 by He is Legend. Uh, they sludgy. <laughs> <laughs> They've got another song that also came up in the conversation with uh, Cole and Matthew the other time, called "That's Nasty," where it goes down, <laughs> down, do, 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 and then the guitar is literally like tuned an octave down for just <laughs> those notes, and it's yeah. just nasty. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that I think also has the anticipation, like you talked mm-hmm. about. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's such a big thing, at least within metal, and yeah. you know we'll talk about it with some of the other things too, but. Where with your mother gone and your dad in chains, you know, Mm -hmm. like building up to it. And then uh, just the intensity of it, too, because there's plenty of bands I feel like that could do that. But their vocalist is just really monotone the whole time, not really into it. And the content of it, too, is like, you know, kind of just feels heavy in a lot of ways. But also the... um, I, I thinking of heavy also makes me think of Back to the Future <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly where the Marty yeah.
3: McFly definition of heavy yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. where
2: something is like oh that's heavy like that's serious and yeah. also like there's an actual like things being behind the beat a little bit like thinking mm. back to that Pliny song earlier Boom, yeah. and having that where everything feels a little behind the beat and so you feel like you know somebody's dropping books on your hands and you keep yeah exactly and you keep like kind of crumbling under the weight of whatever the thing is
3: it's like the anticipation of it getting there and then when it finally arrives you're not quite expecting it because you yeah. you were expecting it before yeah and so yeah, when it's there everything hits heavy yep and yeah
2: yeah mm-hmm. i've i'll go ahead and do my other example just because it fits into this part of the conversation and we'll keep going from there too but um this other one so this is uh uh the here and now by architects and it's real good um but, yeah, they've got a lot of stuff where they do the same kind of thing as this where it's it's all about anticipation and really groovy too, and this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll go ahead and just play it real quick. Yeah. Man, every time like I get so into that groove, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just the like down down, that syncopated bit right there. Yeah, if it was on a beat, I mean, yeah. on like you know a chord note or even eighth note, yeah. it would feel boring and lame. Mm. But the fact that it grooves like that because it's yeah. so syncopated, mm-hmm. um, man, it's yeah, the anticipation
0: so I, thing. So I think you hit on a, on a probably approximate or a uh, sort of tangential topic in this is that a groove yeah a groove makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't have to be super busy a Mm -hmm. super busy groove it can be a very simple one or i mean like malians and malian and the sons of disaster Mm. have a lot of grooviness but it's like southern groove yeah and it feels heavy because they're like huge and big and distortion but there's like a southern like "Mm, yeah this is some good (laughs) rock and roll like that makes it feel pretty heavy but my first example is also an example of this like there's a groove that they establish throughout the song and then this is like the penultimate version of that groove that it kind of drops away and is just the groove at its heart Hmm. and it's an animals as leaders song called ectogenesis i love animals as leaders So it's obviously kind of like second section where it's sort of hard to tell sometimes, but like the drummer is doing the kick drum pattern both of the guitarists yeah. are doing the exact same yeah. thing but with their thumbs. Uh-huh. Like they're with double thumbing. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a bass technique that yeah. both of these guys on eight strings are double thumbing mm-hmm. the exact same rhythm. So that, yeah. it that I can't do that it with extra, my mouth. Like, chunkiness <laughs> yeah, actually, no. It, yeah. I mean it, it's definitely there. And just, it's so funny watching these dudes play this because they just kinda like stand there and just do the thing. <laughs> There's a Dunlop Sessions video on YouTube where they play this and it's it's just so funny watching these guys play it because they're so nasty and they're such dirty players and Matt Gartske the drummer is the most animated one yeah. because he's drumming and the other two are just kind of standing there like nailing this guitar part <laughs> and it's it's really cool and there, there's a little like high element that kind of happens with that that sort of offsets everything but just the distillation of that groove into we're pretty much there's no fluff we're just doing that rhythm with the yeah. drummer Ugh, it's <laughs> it, it, and it's such a like crushing weight because they're both playing eight strings. Yeah, it's just a really low part. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So,
2: so now I mean the next part of it is obviously within metal. There's a little bit of a definition that's easy. I mean, so like groove obviously is a big part of it, and anticipation. It sounds like, um, and I mean some amount of the slow and low thing is true, but like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with using some of the other stuff too, um, and. You know, there's... Yeah, so all that within metal. But then what about outside of metal? Like, how can stuff be heavy if it's, you know, outside of the traditional definition of heavy metal and whatnot? So,
3: I think... I mean, the definition of heavy metal is a very succinct definition. I mean, it, it, it comes from a very specific place. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, when I, when I was thinking the subject, I, I totally went with the Marty McFly definition of heavy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I stayed away from, like, the physical definition of what we would consider to be heavy... And of course, like there's, it's hard to do. It's hard to stay away from like you know what makes a yeah. song heavy. Because you pick any like, and most songs outside of the genre of metal, most would not consider like a heavy song. But yeah. if you were, the one thing that you would look at is lyrical content. Mm. Yeah. And so I I pick I picked a couple songs to to do. My first definition, unfortunately, kind of strained back to metal, but like old school metal. Um, and I, I picked the song because of the history behind it, which not everyone knows and not everyone would associate with heaviness, um, even though it's kind of the song that defined the genre, heavy metal. And it's the very first song off the very first Black Sabbath record. Hmm. Uh, it's called Black Sabbath. And the, the the reason that I think this song is is so heavy is partially due to the fact of like the musical content that's going on. But... Uh, Mostly the lyrics and the story behind it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what the story is, basically it goes like this: the bass player of the band uh, Black Sabbath, Geezer Butler, was kind of into occult practice. Uh, like he he practiced a lot of witchcraft and and uh, borderline satanic things. Um, and he used to have very very vivid dreams. And, 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 and things happen. I'm I'm sure he was on all kinds of drugs, but
1: (laughs) things happen to
3: him, uh, that, that he used to, you know, write down in his, in his journal or take notes of, well, he brought, he, he wrote about this, this dream that he had and he brought it to Ozzy Osbourne, the lead singer of Black Sabbath and Ozzy wrote this song, which basically describes, uh, the, the protagonist or whatever you want to call it of the song, uh, laying in bed one night and all of a sudden, uh, he wakes up and there's this black silhouette of a figure staring at him and he opens his door and it's just like flames and the black fi- the black figure like points to the door and says like it's time for you to go to hell now like mm. you're going to hell And so, like, that's what that song is about. Um, But that mixed with the fact that Tony Iommi, the guitarist, when he wrote this guitar riff, uh, it was the first time that anybody had used the Devil's Triad, (laughs) which was banned in medieval times. Yeah. Um, And if you don't know about musical theory, basically the Devil's Triad is bum, bum, bum. Like, Mm. because back in medieval times, people thought this sounded so evil that it would literally summon the devil if anybody played it. (laughs) So, knowing that history, uh the band went into the studio and said, "Let's put all of these evil things together in this song." And basically that's that's how they made that first record. And uh take a look, Google the 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 cover the album art of that first Black Sabbath record. It's evil, man. Like it's 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 one of those paintings that like stays with you because of how freaky and like yeah. spooky and creepy it is. Um but yeah, uh, and I mean like Black Sabbath is is they're a great band. I've said this many times. They were one of my favorites, probably still are one of my favorites. But, you know, they I that first record especially, man, it's just so rooted in like darkness and despair mm. and and bad things. And to me, like that's that's a big definition of like what makes a song heavy is the lyrical content knowing like where these people are coming from when they write this music. It's not typically a good place. It's, you know, usually uh, drug-filled, alcohol-filled, like dark, depressing zone. And to go along with that, um, also Tony Iommi lost his finger uh, in a metal factory, oh, uh, which is how the term terrible. heavy metal got its name. So <laughs> the 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 reason that we often associate heavy things and and metal music with like low-tuned guitars is because Tony Iommi couldn't play guitar he lost his ring finger in a, in like a metal sheet factory accident yeah. which is where he worked um so he used to have to tune down his guitars tremendously before black sabbath was black sabbath there were a band called earth and they were a jazz band
1: <laughs> fun wow. fact
3: uh but he used to have to tune down his guitars tremendously they broke just up to be from to... and fire i guess yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part's not true <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I always I thought that was interesting. And like somebody wrote a, an article about him. they like, oh, this, this, this heavy metal factory, blah, 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 yeah. whatever. But like, so that's kind of like where the term gets its, its name from. Um, but along the lines of lyrical content, I mean, mm-hmm. to completely flip away from metal, yeah, songs that come from a dark place, I think, are, are heavy. I mean, uh, the other example I had was um, Sufjan Stevens, mm-hmm. who's a tremendous songwriter. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes a very depressing songwriter <laughs> and he has a song uh off the album Carry and lull which altogether is a very dark uh sad album and but beautiful you, at the same beautiful. time which yeah. is like interesting dichotomy of course yeah it, it, i mean that's i don't know if many heavy songs would be like listenable if they yeah. weren't you know often you know uh, offset with happier more beautiful like instrumentation because yeah. mm-hmm. um, if you just have like sad guitars and like sad pianos mm-hmm. along with well, sad lyrics well that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. the
0: whole genre of shoegaze
3: <laughs> But um, he has a song off the record called Lowell called uh, Fourth of July. And I'll just share some of the lyrics with you. The song is based on a conversation that he had with his mother who abandoned him when he was a boy who is dying in the hospital of cancer now. And he's talking to her as an adult. Like, that's the content yeah. behind this song. So, yeah, it's not going to be a happy song. <laughs> but there's a, there's a line in the song that always just stuck with me. Um, kind of like they're calling each other names. Uh, throughout the song but um at one point it says uh the hospital asked should the body be cast before i say goodbye my star in the sky such a funny thought to wrap you up in cloth do you find it all right my dragonfly it's like <laughs> jesus christ dude like <laughs> why are we talking about yeah. this and uh, the fact that the song is called fourth of july yeah. and you know that's supposed to indicate like that's the day that she died on this holiday that yeah. we celebrate is like a happy positive day and it's like now, when I think of Fourth of July, I just think about that sad mm. song, and like, yeah. and that to me is is heavy, and yeah. it's it, yeah. it's not even close to metal. It's yeah. just you know piano and vocals. And
2: one of the other songs I thought of was uh, within that context was another Sufyan song was John Wayne Gacy Jr.
3: Oh yes, which is
2: <laughs> I mean because to me there's an aspect of heaviness that feels like it almost something that not everyone can listen to like you mm-hmm. can't listen to without contemplating it or like really being into in the moment right uh, that's obviously not entirely true but yeah. that's like part of what naturally comes in my head um and that song 100 percent. if again if anybody hasn't listened to uh sufjan Stevens, but it's on his album illinois and it's about john Wayne gacy jr who was uh like bad guy. serial killer yeah a yeah. serial killer <laughs> back in the 80s i think um and yeah so the lyrics are just about him but it's almost it's not quite from a first person view but it sort of is at the same time so it's like beautiful song but super dark at the same time and then like ends with this thing that it's like but on my worst day I'm just as bad as him kind Mm -hmm. of thing you know Yeah. Um, and then just leaves you feeling really heavy essentially like
3: just well, there's, there's like, a bit oh, at the very man. end of that song after he's done singing all the lyrics and the song's kind of fading out where you hear him like take this breath and it's like such a weighted breath of yeah. like like he's just backing away from the uh, mic and that just leaves you with this yeah. feeling of like uh just, i'm the same way you know? like, <laughs> yeah. i'm a serial killer too yeah uh, yeah. yeah,
0: that always, uh, so that's something that Manchester Orchestra does really well. Like I, I like their music a lot, mm-hmm. but one of the things that always stuck out with me, especially from their first and their second albums, was the way that Andy Hull would approach the topic of, of religion and like the way that he grew up. Because as, as far as I remember, like he was a pastor's kid growing up, and mm-hmm. so it had a lot of connotation for growing up in the church, but also a lot of questions and a lot of dealing with like. You know travesties in the world and 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 what that means and so there's a song off their first album uh, where literally the ending chorus for the last like two minutes of the song is mm-hmm. god my god where have you been mm. and he repeats that over and over and over and the first time i saw them live like i was sitting in the crowd had not heard that song before had only heard their second album and i remember them playing that song and it's this huge like pretty down tempo song but there's a lot there's a big build to it yeah and i was sitting in the crowd like hearing him sing the song and just thinking like i don't know what this is about and i feel very heavy right now mm. because he is just crying out to god like where have you been there's all of this stuff happening and all i could like consider was like this there there is so much stuff happening and i don't know where you've been this whole time like where are you and that left mm. me very just like oh jeez and yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and and that happens several times in manchester's uh, catalog of songs of just like him kind of coming to terms with growing up in a religious family and, mm-hmm. and not really knowing the answer to a lot of that kind of stuff. Hmm. So yeah. it's all very interesting.
3: And that's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's also easy to associate like it depressing with, with heavy because yeah. like anytime yeah. you come away from a song with like, like, Oh man, I feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel worse than I did I, when yeah. I started listening, yeah. but it's a great song. But now I feel like, just worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's literally, you feel a little weight and that to me is, is more heavy than anything. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, I guess it can be kind of hard to find a song that's not depressing and not metal and still consider it heavy. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, I mean, there's, you know, there's
2: instrumental songs that could be kind of like Mm -hmm. that too. But it's, but still, a lot of times, like one of the examples that my friend Matthew on the other episode gave, um, one of the examples you gave, yeah, was uh, it was an instrument. It was a jazz song, and Mm -hmm. the trumpet player, like, there was just so much emotion, and it was really like subdued part. Where, that he was playing um, where it's almost like he felt like exact, it sounded exasperated where he was just like, I'm just playing this with like the last ounce of my strength. Yeah, and there's, yeah. you know, still something about that. that's again, not the traditional definition of heavy, but it has a weight to it or whatever. Um, man. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of different contexts. Some other mm-hmm. examples of um, just real quick to finish it off. I think like silent planet, if you guys listen to them at all, th- super heavy, amazing. One of my favorite bands, probably of, of all time right now But um, Yeah them And I mean Plenty of other bands But yeah It's just interesting cause I feel like you can't Quite fabricate act- Like true Like what I would consider yeah. At least Heaviness
0: Well there's Because yeah. um, there's either Got to be an emotional Response to it Or there's hmm. got to be Some like There's got to be Something instrumentally And just melodically Happening That And especially That groove yeah. element That either it's That kind of heavy Or it's emotionally heavy Yeah I mean, Neither one of those things Can you just set out <laughs> To be like We're gonna make Something really And, and yeah. to kind of pound in your point about yeah. what you were saying earlier like this is the heaviest part of our set and then yeah. you are left going well not really cuz you tried to right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and oh I've definitely tried that before like and there's
2: parts I mean you can make some parts like heavier or slower a little bit but not like truly you know it doesn't still quite fit that mold but yeah, yeah so yeah. that's that's our thoughts on what is heavy music um uh, but we want to hear from you guys so we didn't have any examples uh, or any um feedback from last week's topic specifically but if you guys would email us at joyous eclectic at gmail.com on this topic or the one from the week before or the one from the week before that or I don't know whatever um, just really pretty you know, much anything yeah just let us know what you guys think because we would love to hear that and also you know share it with all the other listeners as we keep going uh, also email us any submissions you've got for next week's cool bits which Chad's gonna be hosting and it's gonna be soundtracks uh, is that specifically video games or movies no, or so any it, kind it,
0: so it's gonna be be Like video games, movies, shows, pretty much anything. I'm so, open to anything soundtrack related,
3: like, scores, too. Yeah, Musical totally. Scores, cool. I mean,
0: yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just what super about sad, like is-
2: good soundtracks? Can we use good soundtracks?
0: Uh, what about bad no, soundtracks? I only want bad soundtracks. What
3: about mediocre soundtracks? Well, it's We're covering all the bases the here. but <laughs> You are
0: covering all the bases. I'm going to say each of us gets one mediocre one and just eight bad examples. We're not going to do so anything else. Brilliant. Yeah, it's going to be great. Love it. It's going to be a good uh, time.
2: But yeah, so if you've got an example of that, we would love to um, to feature that like we did with the listener submissions today and kind of talk about this a little bit too. And then also, if you have any music to promote, then we'd love to promote that in the little break segment that we've got. Um, because, yes. yeah, we just want everybody to hear everybody's music. We love local always. music. So that stuff. And finally, yeah, uh, go ahead and find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're active, uh, for the most part, on all those fairly often. And it's all at Joyous Eclectic. Um, and please rate and review this podcast because that would be super helpful for specifically us. Specifically on iTunes. Yeah, specifically on iTunes. Um, we've got about eight weeks or so that we could maybe get on the new and noteworthy that would help us spread to even more people. So as much as word of mouth is possible, uh, go ahead and, if you could, tell your friends, your family, uh, tell some skating poser from early 2004. Anybody you can, That would be fantabulous. Uh, Any last thoughts before we go, guys?
3: Like a skating bozer that never grew up and is still that person?
2: 100%. Okay. Yeah. They're still secondarily 2004 listening to Avril Lavigne and other things early 2004.
3: (laughs) Are you assuming that skater boys listen to To the song Skater Boy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Secretly, all of them. Every single one. Every single one. All right.
2: But that's all we've got for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode three. Be joyous. Be eclectic. See you next week. Bye. Bye, Dad.